There are some good players on here. British, French, Dutch, even a Norwegian. What about the Poles and the Czechs? I mean, off the top of my head, I could think of half a dozen East European players who would have to be on that squad. Isn't that so, Muller? I'm sorry, I cannot let you have in Eastern Europeans. Why not? It's impossible. Officially, they do not exist. Germany does not recognize them as prisoners of war. They're in labor camps. Well, maybe not officially, but they do exist as players. Don't they? I don't know whether these East European players are alive or dead, but you can find that out. As an officer and a gentleman, you are obliged to give me a marginal chance of winning. Make your list, Captain. I'll see what I can do. Hey everybody, welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. So, uh, we are off of our Halloween slate, as I mentioned before. We just did, um, Radio Flyer as our first movie back after Halloween. And, uh, we are now moving into Escape to Victory from 1981. This was at a request of one of our regulars, David, who wanted to do this, uh, because the World Cup is coming up. I don't follow soccer myself, so I could not tell you when that is, but he informed me that it was roughly soon from when this episode will uh, debut. So, um, so sometime in the near vicinity, and he can he can fill us in on on those dates. But this will be dropping in the back half of uh, November. Uh, so, Escape to Victory is a 1981 movie. It's also also got, went under the title just Victory, which I think was its original English title. It is an English-American production. It was directed by the great John Huston. John Huston was a director and screenwriter of many films, especially in the classic Hollywood era, but then worked, you know, well through the 60s and 70s up until the 80s, um, until he died. Um, And he directed some major films like The Maltese Falcon, Key Largo, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, The Man Who Would Be King, Annie, and many others. And then he also was an occasional actor. He would have some supporting roles or, um, you know, just kind of uh, almost like cameos in his own films. But he would also be cast in uh, some other director's works uh, because he had kind of a very commanding stage presence. I don't know if he ever, like, wanted to get into acting, if that was a desire, if he just kind of stumbled into it while he was doing uh, the rest of his filmmaking. But his most uh, notable role is probably that of Noah Cross in Chinatown. He plays a major supporting role in Chinatown. He's the uh, you know one of one of the key figures of that film. And um, most recently, he was in a lost Orson Welles movie, um, The Other Side of the Wind, um, which uh, you can track that down. That's on Netflix. So that was a movie that Orson Welles was working on in the '70s, and a lot of it was finished. Um, but was never like properly compiled. And I think there was just hours and hours, you know, of footage. And, uh, they finally got the funding to like go through it all and preserve it all and like kind of cut it into something that they thought Wells would have wanted. Um, and, uh, John Huston plays a filmmaker in that, which is probably at least somewhat based on Wells himself and probably a little bit playing off of John Huston himself 
and other Hollywood era, uh, you know, old Hollywood era filmmakers. It's pretty good. It's a it's a very interesting movie, and as far as those uh, like ones that were lost that are now rediscovered, it's actually pretty good as far as those things go. All right, but so yeah, John Huston uh, directed this. Escape to Victory is, I mean, essentially it's a sports movie, but uh, it's a sports movie that is with the backdrop of like World War II. Um, there's a there's you know you could say war drama. But it's really the, the drama is really more of the sports aspect. Um, so I would say the closest is probably to say it's like a uh, a sports movie with sort of a like World War II men on a mission movie, like lightly sprinkled throughout. Um, you know, so if you, if you've seen or know of The Great Escape, this movie is pulling a lot from The Great Escape. Um, and uh, also a lot of comparisons have been made to The Longest Yard. Um, the basic idea of this is that, uh, there is a prison camp, uh, Nazi prison camp and Michael Caine, I'll mention the whole cast there, the key figures in a moment, but Michael Caine is a current soccer player, although he was 47 at the time. Um, and from what I read that he certainly would not have been a current soccer player. Um, but, uh, but uh, he was 47, and uh, Michael Caine plays like a, a prominent figure in uh, in English soccer is part of his story. And then he's in one of the camps because he was like a, a British officer. And a Nazi officer wants to like schedule like a game between essentially the Nazis and the English for like morale purposes and something to do. So it's sort of similar to The Longest Yard which had, um, you know, the, the prisoners versus the guards. And then there's also this element of people trying to escape, one key person trying to escape, but kind of all of the prisoners to a degree trying to escape, and that's very similar to The Great Escape. Um, okay, cast-wise, uh, yeah, so the prominent people, Michael Caine is essentially the lead. Sylvester Stallone is arguably the most prominent person in it at the time because he was off of the success of Rocky and Rocky 2. Um, so I think Michael Caine's, you know, star was fading a little bit by this point. Um, and then Max von Sydow plays uh, like a, a major. Uh, he's, a, he's a Nazi major. Um, and there are a few other like English character actors who I recognize from things, but I don't really know them by name. And then uh, Pele shows up um, as, uh, as as one of the people who are in the camp for some reason. Um, Woohoo! We, yeah, so Pele is in it along with, uh, according to what I was reading, let me see here. So Pele was in this uh, along with 18 international soccer stars of the time. Uh, they were either in acting or uh, sports action stunt roles. So I think some of them actually are performing as English. Um, I, I guess they could be performing as different nationalities because the team ends up being compiled of, of stars from different parts of the country or different parts of the world, we find out. Um, so they could be that, or they could be stand-ins for some of the uh, the actual actors as well. Michael Caine, Sylvester Sloan. Um and then a couple other things I can throw out before we introduce our cast here. The music's by Bill Conti. Uh, he supplied the scores for most of the Rocky films. It looked like he did all of them except Rocky IV. Um, but, because uh, I think that's when they did more of the, 
like uh, soundtracky kind of stuff with the, that great soundtrack for Rocky Four. But he did like all the like Gonna Fly Now and all that stuff for Rocky. Uh, he also did the right stuff, and he did all the Karate Kid movies and many other films as well. And then um, this movie itself is uh, so it's based on a movie called Two Halves in Hell, which is a Hungarian movie. And that was based on um, an occurrence, like a historical occurrence, called the Death Match between Nazi soldiers and Soviet Ukrainian prisoners of war uh, who were former soccer players. And, um, you know, uh, there's there's stuff to go into that story of, like, you can read up on where uh, there's ver- been different versions of history on it, and they kind of think they know they've sussed out what actually happened. But uh, So there's some soccer history you could dig into on the Death Match, if you're so inclined. All right, so uh, for this, like I said, uh, David had requested this. Uh, he had heard about this movie and uh, wanted to do it for the World Cup. And I like to uh, throw out some curveballs and do some things we don't normally do, and that's kind of the name of the game for the show anyway. So uh, we don't do tons of sports movies. This may be our first, and we haven't done tons of war movies. I think we've done a couple. Um, so this gave us an opportunity to do something different. So, uh, welcome to Veed and thanks for the recommendation. Thank you. All right. Uh, also we have, uh, joining us, uh, another member who's been on a number of our shows. Um, and, uh, he is a soccer fan. Both he and David are soccer fans. I myself am not, um, but they are, they are here to do the heavy lifting as far as that goes. So, uh, welcome, Chris. Yep. I'm just here for all of the musicals and sports films. That's my Venn diagram. Uh-huh. Yeah. Any musical sports films to recommend, Chris? Oh, my gosh. So many. Are, are there? There has uh, to be a musical sports no, film out there. I can one off the top of my head. But give I, me I can't films. either. So I'll work through it. Yeah. All right. All right, guys, we're going to have to write one. Is newspaper delivery considered a sport? It's in Paperboy. How how is there not a um Sandlot musical yet? Oh, there uh Damn Yankees. Damn Yankees okay. baseball musical. There there we yeah. go. Oh, there we go. We that's a it. fantastic musical. All right. I've never seen it actually. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is now a damn Yankees podcast. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, not not tons of stuff to uh, go into uh, on uh, on on the kind of like back end stuff. Um, so I'd say we can probably just open this up. And uh, what do we make of Escape to Victory? I got very. <laughs> Michael Caine's uh, relationship with the uh, Max uh, von Sydow's uh, character just struck me as a serious Hogan's Heroes. Mm-hmm. Just in in that... Uh... Now, this is a gentleman's match, of course. So you can promise that no one's going to try to escape. Well, I can't uh, promise that. Hogan! It, it was kind of a ridiculous movie um, while being very serious. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was my big take home from the movie. And it's I think it's mostly, for me, this is the first time I've seen the film. Uh, and for me, it was mostly Sylvester Stallone's entire presence in the movie. 
Um, it <laughs> felt like it was a very by the numbers sports escape film, if there is such a thing. Um, but then Sylvester Stallone was there just doing stuff. Uh, and it was honestly like, it was weird, but I think it kept the movie interesting for me to an extent where without him, I would have been like, oh, this was a little too by the numbers. And then with him, I was like, he's absolutely insane. But also, it kept, it, it just kept the movie fresh enough for me to, to get me through it. There's a moment where Sylvester Stallone speaks French to a German officer and gets away with it when he's like, one of the times he's escaping. And it's just, he, he sounds like uh, Brad Pitt trying to speak Italian in Inglorious ba- uh, Bastards. And I was very much like, does this German officer not know what French people sound like? Like, they have a small conversation. I mean, sure, the conversation is just, do you speak German? No. Do you speak French? No. I only speak French get on the train like from context clues you get that that's what they're saying but his accent is so stallone i will say the camera after it happened lingered on those two guards for a while and they looked very uncomfortable in their own skins Uh, so it feels like they might have known something went on but they were just like i don't i can't be bothered to, to deal with this right now look there's a war on i got enough problems of my own here I do. Because, I mean, Sloan, like, his accent doesn't necessarily sound American, for what it's worth. I don't know what it sounds like, but I don't know if American's the one I put on it. I'm, I'm going to say this is uh, Stallone's third best movie. It's behind, of course, uh, Death Race 2000 mm-hmm. and Rocky Five. No, Rocky Four. Four. I was gonna say, like, like, are you that iconoclastic to be? Where you're gonna say, oh, Rocky Five's the best one. <laughs> like preposterous. Actually, I, <laughs> I've only watched the first three Rockies. Yeah. I don't actually know. I I've never actually seen the Beastmaster. I just wanted to be cool. I just wanted to be cool. Is he in Beastmaster? He's not in Beastmaster. No, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting Community because you are basically Chevy Chase from Community in this moment right now. <laughs> Ouch. That, that I'm hurts. sorry, but you're a big movie fan. You've never watched Rocky IV? That's, that's I didn't insane. see until recently when I was invited to watch it with my wife's Air Force Reserve wing mm-hmm. as a <laughs> primer for an upcoming invasion by russia to ukraine <laughs> i was like sure i'll be there it was a lunch it's, meeting. it's good it was a working lunch it was a, we all had a is rocky for the russia one then yeah. i have seen it yeah yeah that's rocky oh Four. okay first rocky goes up against apollo creed the second rocky goes up against apollo creed again and he wins the third rocky goes up against mr t's clubber lang the fourth oh. one, he goes up against Ivan Drago, the Russian. And the fifth one is the street street fight with uh, Tommy Gunn, and it sucks. Um, and then the sixth <laughs> one is when uh, is Rocky Balboa when he comes back 
to uh, to do like the I don't know, exhibition match or something. And then there's Creed and Creed 2, and then now there's Creed 3 on the way. It's coming. I got 3 and 4 transposed in my mind. That's my bad. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot more to the Rocky uh, Cinematic Universe than yeah. <laughs> meets the eye. Yeah, I'm holding out hope for that Polly sequel myself. But... <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, back to this, back to uh, what David has noted is Sylvester Stallone's third best film, <laughs> uh, Escape to Victory. Uh, yeah, all right, so, uh, I mean, uh, I had seen this before, uh, neither of you had. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I had fun I with it. it. Go ahead. Oh, I had fun with it. Um, Maybe, maybe not. I I may have seen it as a child, but I have no memory of it. The reason it came up was I was at my niece's soccer game, and my brother started talking uh, about it, and they both loved it so hard. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to see this. Uh, <laughs> and that's why I suggested it. And um, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was a fun little movie. Yeah, I had a good time. Um, like I said, um, I felt like it was the right mix of like a competently made movie and then just kind of weirdness, like I- icing on the cake uh, that I really enjoyed. Also, I love a good like heist movie or escape film. Sure. So when you said this, like you, you kind of classified this as a sports movie first, but in my mind watching it, it was like an escape film first. And then there was like some sports dashed throughout. And then near the end, it turns into like a full sports film out of the blue but uh, i feel like up until the match starts it's like more focused on escape than sports um, the back yeah, third is mostly it may have just been that i had to suffer through the sports aspect so in my mind it's more of a sports <laughs> film but the climax the climax takes place at a fucking soccer stadium it does not take yeah, place like, like in said, a barracks sure it, it was uh the back third, maybe back quarter, back third was uh, was definitely a sports film. Sure. But leading up to it, it's a whole lot of uh, Sylvester Stallone um, escaping. Well, true, but but I mean, he's not the only. I mean, he's kind of doing his own plot because other the rest of the time we have Michael Caine is focused on the team, and Max von Sydow is focused on making this happen. So, like. Neither one of them care about escaping at all. Like Michael Caine's not trying to get out, and Max von Sydow's not trying to catch anybody. They're just like the game's a big deal, guys. So that's why, to me, like the driving force, like Sylvester Stallone, is sort of just this other element. I feel. But we have the whole other cast of characters that is like the I don't know how to describe it, but just like it feels like an old ladies' club of just like officers trying to help people escape. Um, yeah. And it focuses on them a lot near the beginning and different, like, like the film opens on an escape attempt. Um, we, we see them talking about escape attempts before we put the soccer team together. So in my mind, that was kind of the, the A plot and the soccer was the B plot until it again becomes a full on sports movie in in the back. I could have, I could have dealt with a third, uh, uh, sports montage, like another training montage, but no, um, the beginning, that first shot of the mo- movie, the cold open, that uh, 
just a guy trying to escape and getting shot. We never know his name. We don't know anything about him. Just he's trying to escape a uh, POW camp in Germany, get shot up, shot and killed. And then the credits start. And I'm like, damn, that is that is a bold move. That is a strong that it, that is a tone setter that doesn't quite fit. I think you need it because all the characters are kind of like a little it's not a comedy but everyone seems to be having a little bit of fun like planning escapes playing sports like I think without that tone setter it's going to feel like they're in a summer camp instead of a POW (laughs) camp like because no Hogan's hero out of it all yeah yeah because the guards are like either uh like enjoying the soccer for the guy in charge or completely inept so i feel like it 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 feels like a hogan's heroes without someone getting murdered at the beginning of the film stallone also has his uh repeated like semi-comedic line where it's a very serious thing where his life gets uh made harder his escapes are endangered or completely kiboshed by the soccer game and several times he does this, and it feels like it should be comedic, but it's kind of not. Where he's just like, this soccer game is ruining my life. I feel like at the beginning of the movie also, like I felt like all the characters were really good and fleshed out, except for Sylvester Stallone at the very beginning. They're like, oh, we're going to put together a soccer team. And he's like, I got to be on this team. And you're like, why do you got to be on this Why? You already had an escape planned. Like... And he really wants to be on the team desperately. And also, um, the writers look down so much on Americans uh, and their knowledge of soccer that they're like, oh, he thinks that you can just tackle people. And they get like, like, that's not even like not knowing about soccer. That's just like knowing the basic rules of like being a human being in a place with other human beings where you're like, oh, let me learn if I can tackle someone before I do that in this game. So my guest that has no actual textual evidence in the movie because there is nothing to explain why he wants to be on the uh team as a trainer at first um no he wants to be a player at first he settles for trainer i think yeah yeah so he he uh the team does get better rations a better place to sleep and um, better clothes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so... I forgot that that came well, before but, the escape part came. But I... But if they had... Oh, oh does... The, like, is he aware of that? Has that been instituted yet? That's the question. Like, he joins in as they're moving people in. It, all the movie would have needed for that to... For him to have any reason to do that is just him find hearing about it in the showers or at the mess hall 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 or something and being like what i want that next well he scene, also i, I think gotta he also be on says he's like gonna be gone in like six days and while yes i'm sure if you're in a prisoner of war camp rations are are going to be uh extremely important but still it does kind of push like well is is he going to be focused on that? Because like his plan isn't ruined immediately; it only gets ruined once they like start moving guards around. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's the moment when he like tries to force himself onto the team is when they start messing with his escape plan. And then he's like, Well, this team, there's like rumblings about the whole team having their own escape plan. So like it makes sense at that point when he like forces his way in as the trainer. Um, but I feel like the early part, I'm like, does he just really want to be part of this team? Like he just seemed like a fun thing to do. Like he's why just is got he so... FOMO, Chris? <laughs> Because I, I don't do like remember that they, if the rations were discussed yet at that point. But if they were, that makes more sense. I like that he sh- they show him, I guess because he's a football player, catching the ball uh, really well uh, until Pele shoots uh, against him because, obviously, greatest ball player of all time um, of any sport. But he, in the end, he doesn't. Uh, he he doesn't goalie very well. He well, he didn't even in that moment. Like, if you know the game a little bit, like they yeah. kick a ball lightly directly into his chest, and they're like, "Oh, he caught it. He must be a great goalie." It's like any one of us could have caught that ball into his chest. Like, there were a couple points in the film where I thought whatever they were trying to show was so unearned, and that was one of them. It was like they just kind of like lobbed a few balls at him directly and he caught them and they were like, Oh, maybe you could be a goalie. Uh, I do like that at the end, he wasn't a good goalie throughout the game because he wasn't. (laughs) There was also the, the repeated lines from him of, so where do I stand with a corner kick? Which, which again is repeated like three times. I think it's supposed to be comedic, but it's also they they, Michael Caine's the coach. His goalie in this important game does not know what a fucking corner kick is. And he's just like, oh, you. Let me get back to my other conversation. I thought Michael Caine had like a secret plan to just have a different goalie. Because, I don't know, we haven't discussed the plot of the movie at all. So we're completely relying. Do we usually rely on people to have watched the movie before we talk about it here? Or do we talk about so, it? No, we should probably plot. No, I mean, we, we'll talk about plot, but I also announced what the movie is coming up. So, I mean, we go we okay. go into spoilers. So the idea is you could have watched it in advance. Yeah, but, I'm not talking um, about spoilers. I'm just talking about like, yeah. does, yeah. So I was going to say, I thought Michael Caine's character like had a, a plan in his back pocket to like have a different goalie or something like maybe someone else on the team was good at it because they needed to bring Sylvester Stallone's character along because he had, he was the one who knew the escape plan. So they break the goalie's arm uh, so that they can put him in as the backup goalie. But then the first time he says, where do I stand on a corner kick? Michael Caine's like, Oh, don't worry about it. So I thought Michael Caine had like a sly plan where like they weren't even going to get to the point where he was being a goalie. And then later you find out that no, Michael Caine was just being coy about basic strategic questions being asked of him as a coach. That poor goalie. That poor, poor goalie. I assume he didn't get to go. Was about set to go play and escape. And they're like, hey, for this escape plan to work, we need to break your arm. And like, also there were other players that were just there on the bench. I guess you need like a good enough reason to get Sylvester Stallone's yeah, character I mean, that, out that's, of hole. That's what it was. But I, it was it was weird. The And the goalie, good on him, just was like, yeah, I understand. I'll stay in this prisoner camp. He was doing um, it for queen and country, Chris. Of course. <laughs> King and country, I think, at that time. Though. Um, 
Yeah, uh, on the on the Stallone note, I did read that I guess Stallone tried to get them to end the movie with him scoring a final goal and winning the <laughs> game. Um, and uh, because his his view was he was the biggest star in the movie, which he almost certainly was, you know, at that that time. Um, <clears throat> but then, like people there, like soccer players and other people involved, were like, "Yeah, that's preposterous." Um, since you're a goalie, although I was reading some trivia happen. that, uh, uh, what? I'll let you finish, but goalie scoring at the very end of the game is it's the only time a goalie will score, but go ahead and say what you're going to say. And then but you've got to already be it. winning for yeah. that basically. Yeah. Sometimes there's a second part of what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I was reading some on. trivia that was saying that, uh, yeah, that there have been cases where goalies have uh, have done it, like when they come up, uh, when they kind of have nothing to lose, they come up further into the field, um, and they cited, uh, I think it had happened, I mean, it's probably happened multiple times, but uh, it happened like in the 90s or something, I think Manchester United or something, um, like 97, I think it said, or something. So yes, Chris, there was more to what I was saying. But yeah, at the time, like everyone was like, this is preposterous and could never occur uh, to Stallone and they didn't want him to do that. And that's how they came up with the like penalty kick scene. Which didn't make sense to me because I thought they were going into a penalty shootout. And then later I was like, oh, was it just it was just a foul at the end of the game that I missed, I guess, because it was one kick and I was expecting like a whole penalty shootout. Also, uh, the two things. One, fuck Manchester United, just in general. And two, uh, that penalty kick, uh, I've always thought penalty kicks are mostly the uh, kicker's fault for screwing that up. Because it's completely by chance whether or not the uh, goalie's going to uh, block that. Especially a goalie like... Um, Sylvester Stallone in this, where it's like he he's got no instinct for this game. This that that was completely by chance. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, it wasn't a skill move. It was a you know, there's a ten percent <laughs> chance you're going to block a kick no matter what happens, just because your body will be in the right place at the right time. So even at the <laughs> highest level, the goalie is going to guess: Am I going to go left? Am I going to go right? Am I going to stay center? Um, so even the worst goalkeeper against the best shooter, unless the shooter actually puts it into the corner, which you could score on a bad goalkeeper every time. That's on yeah. the captain who has the same last name as me. Let's not bring it up again. Uh, <laughs> the German team. Um, yeah. So just, yeah, it was like David said, it was just luck that it was a save and not sports skill, which I think works because I think, there's no reason for him to have been a good keeper based on what they showed in the movie. Even when the players were saying that, I thought they were just like humoring him when he caught a ball. Well, how was the, uh, the soccer, uh, particularly when we get toward the end, uh, to, to you, uh, to you regular viewers of soccer? I think it was, it went both ways. It felt like there were moments where the players were like, here's what would be good. And then there were other moments where the director was like, Oh, you know, it would look cool. Uh, there's one that I remember near the very end. They go into slow motion, and Pele rainbow kicks the ball to another player who heads the ball back to where Pele was standing, um, but no one is there anymore except the defense, and then it's just like a real slow motion, like nothing 
soccer move the the director's like this looks amazing and then like as someone who watches the game watching it you're like nothing was accomplished here yes some of the soccer was great i will so the german team as expected are fouling all over the place and getting away with it even though it's a uh even though they say it's a uh impartial referee no obviously it's not they wouldn't they wouldn't risk that. It's the German national team in World War. But um, as they're fouling, I very much had the uh, – I I laughed and said out loud to no one in particular. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen such a foul-heavy team like this since Netherlands in 2004. Just the 2008, the 2008 World Cup. It's just blatant. And um, I'm sure soccer fans would find that very funny. <laughs> it's it's just that was the game. Uh, that was the year where one of them straight up just kicked some dude in the chest. It was amazing. But the German team is just playing punching and all that. The other thing I had was I have never, ever seen a soccer game with that many slide tackles. I understand that slide tackles look cool, but every goddamn play and uh, turnover was a slide tackle. It was the only defense. Like, they they barely even showed uh, Pele's fancy footwork to get get around people and all. It's just like, nope, slide tackle. Yeah. Yeah, and I also was surprised by how often – the Allied Forces team also fouled without getting called because the Germans were fouling and not getting called, and that was fine. But then it was showing the Allies' defense, and I was like, that's almost just as bad as the Germans' defense, like, penalty-wise. I, I you heard like, it here um... first, folks. The Allies are just as bad as the Axis powers. Chris has said it for all you got to look at both sides. You got to look at the side that I was captaining and the allies. <laughs> My namesake captain. Um, I will I will say there were a couple of, like some of the attacking stuff. They would like cut together like quick, like one, two passing, like put together some neat triangles. So a couple of the attacking things were like neat and exciting for when it was shot. But most of it was... Like I said, it seemed like a few times there were things that the filmmaker was like, do this, it'll look cool. And I can't imagine the players not rolling their eyes constantly at that. And then there was a few things like Pele's skill moves. That was just Pele being Pele. That was fun. Um, I wanted more. There was that one goal. I was like, that had to have been hard to like choreograph as well as they did where they like bounced it off the the post and put it away. Like, but with defenders yeah. shaped over them, I was like, that seems like it would be hard to do, even if you're trying to do it, just how fast they were running and how draped over them the defenders were. So that was an impressive piece there, even though the shot that hit the post was a pretty bad shot to make it look fancy. The goal that he makes, what kind of kick is that? Is there a name for what he uh, does there? Is that a move of his? or Like where they slow-mo it? it he, looks like. They slow mo it, oh, yeah, oh, and he, yeah, yeah. he Sorry, kicks back. Like he drops his kick. back. And... Yeah, yeah, bicycle kick. Okay, I yeah, I yeah. read that term, but I wasn't sure if that was the one they were referring to. 
Yeah, I forgot that's how he, he was. was is that something he was known to do? I'm assuming. Yes. I always it, wonder yeah. if it was a thing in the 40s, though, or if it was just like his character invented the bicycle kick. But it seems like it could have been a thing. It's one of those things where, like, that's the weird thing with a lot of soccer moves. Like, once someone does it once, everybody's like, oh, we can do that now. Um, and is that a thing like that, skateboarding in the 80s? Seen in, uh, yeah. Is that a thing you've seen in random soccer games at points? Yeah, you'll see it every few games if you're watching enough. It depends on the players playing. Um, but yeah, if you're just in a position where the ball, where your back's to the goal and the ball's coming up over your shoulder, it's just the way to get a goal at this point. Um, so you'll see it's, players attempt it a lot. You'll it's see very, that... very difficult. Yes. Yeah, I would assume so. Is he seen as like innovating that, or were there other people that were doing that when he was playing? I don't know that one for sure. Gotcha. Uh, I think it. I think at the very least he was the best at it. Yeah, he was really good at it. Well, I did read that. Uh, so he says uh, they ask him, uh, "What country is he from?" Actually, um, Brazil. Brazil. Okay, yeah. And so I read. So they say he's from Trinidad in this um, because that would be uh, someone who was fighting in the war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I read. It, it like basically like he. There could have been someone from Brazil, but based on the timeline, it like it would have had to have been a couple years later or something. So they they you know they had to adjust it or whatever. But I did read that uh, yeah they Michael Caine when he gets the ball at one point before they know that he can play like he's kicking it around and like you know hitting on his legs and knees and everything. Um, and they ask him like where he Michael Caine says like you know where where'd you learn that and he's like uh, like kicking oranges in Trinidad. But I read that I guess that that actually is like Pele did learn to basically do what he did from kicking fruit as a child. Um, so, so I think it's sort of like to answer your question, Chris, of like, did it exist in the forties? I don't know, but I think this movie just presupposes if Pele <laughs> existed at that time, here's here's how the war would end. Here's what would I've happen. Now do- I've now done the research. Uh, the bicycle kick was invented in 1914 in Chile. Oh, but others believe the bicycle kick may have been invented as early as 1892 in Peru in a game against British soldiers. So yeah, it's something that's been around almost as long as the game. And it apparently has a history of being used against uh, uh, occupying forces. (laughs) Yeah, right up to Veed's alley. Um. So some other uh, background stuff on this. Um. So I read that, uh, so Pele, you know, has like a supporting role in this. He doesn't talk a whole lot, but he gets, he gets a little bit of screen time and then he's mostly like playing. Um, but he also assisted in choreographing all of the playing actions in the final game. Uh, so he was involved in that. And then, Each slide um, tackle had his stamp of approval. <laughs> um, you were, uh, Chris, you were talking about like, you know, the, uh, the director presumably thinking things look cool, which which may be true, but according to IMDb, John Huston hated the movie and admitted he only did it for the paycheck. Um, but John Huston was a very talented director, so even hating the movie, he likely could be like turn out a, like a pretty a entertaining subject. film. I just have to say that's a tough subject matter to do. Quote for the paycheck. It's not exactly <laughs> yeah. war profiteering, but it's not not war profiteering. <laughs> And then, uh, and then Michael Caine uh, admitted that the only reason he agreed to make the movie was the opportunity to work alongside soccer legend Pele. 
which I thought was interesting. Which makes but, sense. Yes. Uh, but Michael Caine, uh, for any of those uh, who may or may not know, uh, Michael Caine is uh, kind of famous for taking roles for interesting reasons. Um, one that's often thrown out there, and I think this is true. I don't think this is apocryphal, but like supposedly um, he's often said, who's catering? Um, that he will choose roles, or he used to choose roles, based on uh, who is actually catering the film. And then there is a I quote that, that he... I read that he took the role in the Christopher Nolan Batman films because a bat once flew in his mouth. <laughs> Very good, Chris. Thank you for that addition. Um, and then there is a quote uh, that this one is legit. Um, when uh, someone, like an interviewer or something, was asking about Jaws 4 once. And uh, he says, I have never seen it, but by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and it is terrific. So, uh, <laughs> the mercenary Michael Caine. Is now the point in the podcast where we each do our Michael Caine impressions? <laughs> oh, no. Good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. David. <laughs> When I said we, I mean y'all. All right. <laughs> the prestige. <laughs> uh, That's all I got. That one you're right, David. You you wouldn't be allowed to do a Michael Caine accent. You're right. So <laughs> we have to we have oh. to have a division. Uh, and then uh, yeah, the only other real note is that uh, I guess the movie was originally slated to star Lloyd Bridges and Clint Eastwood. So why not Clint Eastwood? I'm guessing would have been the Michael Caine part, maybe, or well, no, probably Clint Eastwood probably been the Sylvester Stallone escaping. Oh man, I'm so glad we got Stallone. We need to talk about (laughs) it more before this is over. And then Lloyd Bridges probably running the soccer team. I'm guessing. Look, Lloyd Bridges would have been such a strange choice for that. He's okay. wiry. He could. He could. I could buy him as a soccer guy. Um, my favorite little bit of trivia from this uh, movie, though, is so we've already mentioned that that Sylvester Stallone's character does not know soccer, is bad at soccer, somehow plays soccer in uh, in this important game, uh, does get kind of injured a couple of times, and then in real life, Sylvester Stallone broke a finger. And a couple of ribs trying to play soccer because he didn't know how and did not pay attention to his trainer. Yeah. Yeah, like a goalie was teaching him how to do it and he's like, "Ah, I can do it. And then uh, fucked himself up real good. And then Pele shoots a shot at him and breaks his hand. It's like, "Ah, all right. Also, how did he broke two ribs? Like, one or two, I believe I read two ribs, like, two different instances. One here, one there. Playing, not even really being a goalie. Playing a goalie in a movie, he broke himself several times. Yeah, but I'm sure, but that's but that's probably, like, from, like, diving and stuff, though. I mean, anybody yeah, could. Yeah, just landed wrong, or hitting the post. Those are the only two ways, hitting the post or just diving and being Sylvester Stallone weight and build and landing <laughs> directly on your rib cage. My my headcanon is all the real soccer players just uh just had a field day uh making his life hell. That's fair. I do respect the movie for not trying to make the soccer players act. 
Like very yeah. few lines from Pele, very few lines from anyone else on the team. Some they get they give some Pe- Pele a little bit. Give him a little bit. They have a, oh, yeah, he's got uh, a little bit. But and he, get, he gets to be charming. He gets to say a couple. Everybody charming else things. is just like they're just like silent and in the background and like just nodding and like yeah. they did not make the act. Great, great work. His, I think Pele's most. Uh, Prominent lines are when Michael Caine is trying to come up with the uh, um, with the game plan, and Pele just draws a squiggly line across it, going, "I will go here, 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 and then shoot," and then walks away. And then the other one was, "I want to play." That's it. <laughs> That's speaking of. I want to play. I feel like I, I talked about the movie having some unearned moments, and that one I feel like is the, threw me the most in the film. So the the plot of the movie. I am unsure. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. I am unsure of what injury he had. Oh yeah, he was just holding his arm to his chest the whole time as he played <laughs> regular Pele soccer. He's like, oh my torso. <laughs> Something between my pecs and my belly button is sore. <laughs> I cannot play. Also, Michael Caine's character, just so Pele could come back later, made the decision. They had like four dudes on the bench. And Michael Caine's like, we'll play with 10 men for the rest of the game instead of put somebody on the field. First of all, that's like a big fuck you to those other players. <laughs> Second of all, you just wouldn't unless... You know, Pele, I thought he would like Pele would come back after halftime. So he was like, oh, we'll go to the half without subbing. Because once Pele subbed off, he can't come back on um, for all the Lintons out there. That's why they were like, oh, we'll play with 10 men when he had to sub off. Because they wanted to be able to bring him back into the game later. Hey, but I, don't, I, I don't follow what, like, once he's out. He gets injured in the first half. Uh-huh. And Michael Kane, the coach, instead of bringing a new 11th player on the field when he gets injured says we're going to play down a man. Yeah. But what, um, what and I, I, you're talking about the rule, like once he, once something yeah, happens, so he if can't they come sub back. Him out, if they replace him on the field, then he's done for the day. So like, so in any soccer game, you, you go to the bench and you're done? Yeah. Okay. Except so for NCAA college, I think okay. they do. That is subs, unusual to me, soccer. considering basketball and football. <laughs> Yeah, high school and college, you can make subs all day. Yeah. But in professional soccer, it used to be three subs. It's kind of turning into five now. They made a change for COVID, and it's sticking in some leagues and not in other leagues. What's uh, the so you can only make what's the reason behind you? What's the reason behind you can't come back? It's just more fun that way. Um, is it? <laughs> I mean, I'm just like because like like I'm saying, other sports don't do that. So I'm just there has to be some sort of logic behind why they would want it that way. I think it's like, I assume it's part of the game and that, you know, like your team has to play the full 90 minutes. Gotcha. And I think the subs are really there, like, in the rule book in case of like injuries or something like that. But people obviously use them to get fresh legs on the field late in the game. Um, but you have, you're very limited in how many people you can replace on the field. So I, I assume that that rule is in place just to make it a game of, these 11 people versus these 11 people. And then there's like some rules in case people get hurt or whatever to make it fair. Yeah. Yeah. And then those rules tactically also. Um, but yeah, so 
I, I assumed that the plan was like, oh, we'll check on Pele at halftime and bring him back in. But then when halftime came and went in a very weird fashion and Pele was just still on the bench, I was like, why would you, why are you intentionally handicapping your team? Coach. There's so much with that game. But the main thing I wanted to talk about was obviously the whole point of the film is like, it's an escape from this prisoner of war camp. And then their escape ends up happening at halftime of the game. And they all get down into the French sewers and they're like, finally we can escape. And then just one of the players is like, I want to finish the game in about that tone. And Michael Kane is just like, who said that? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean who said that? He's like, who said you? Oh, we're all playing. Like, first of all, yeah, why does it matter? Like- was it like if a different person had said it, are you like, no, we should go? Like not only that the excuse. Michael Kane is is the coach and he's like, who said that? And then goes, Do you really think so? Well, that changes everything. Like, oh, I thought we were gonna turn tail and run because I was pretty sure we were done. Because they go into halftime at like four nil. No, no, no. It's, I think one, at that point it's 4-1. Four one. Four one. Like, yeah, that's not, this game ends with eight total goals. Should have been nine. Like, that's that's a high-scoring game between well, the German national with, team. If one team doesn't have a goalie, you're going to get some, there's going to be some points yeah. scored. True. But, like, it's the German national team versus um, POW camp players and four Eastern European labor camp players. Well, no, not not entirely. They, uh, it was, uh, it's. I mean, I think it's comprised of different nationalities. It's almost like a. We never really like we early in the movie. Early in the work. movie, what's that? It was all prisoners of war still because he got the list of basically Michael Caine's character got a list of like here are our POWs that also were international soccer players. Right, right, right. But but yeah, my but point they... but my point is so earlier in the movie though he uh, when when they initially make the deal he and Max von Sydow he's like 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 it's not going to be officers I want the lads so like he wants like young men he wants like like actual soldiers because he doesn't want just like old officers running around like idiots. And then once it starts to get in the nitty gritty and they're like talking serious, he's like, he's picking like premier players from like everywhere in Europe that they can get. Now we, now as Chris, as you said, we never really get to talk, see any of these characters and they never talk. So we don't really know who's English, who's French, who's anybody. There is the specific Eastern European ones, which are like, oh, we shouldn't talk about them, Michael. And he's like, no, I want them. They show up, but I, I feel like – I feel the end thing is like it's a mixture of different nationalities. So it's almost like the – bet, like it's like the all-star team. Yes, they've been in fucking prisoner of war camps, but it's like they're all-star teams of all over Europe. So like they, it should be a pretty good team, I think. They do mention about the Eastern European ones. The, uh, the Germans mention that um... – they're not considered POWs. They're not recognized as such. Right. But then they bring them in anyhow. And it's brought up that they were at the labor camps. And when they first show up, they're like, they're so thin, they haven't eaten anything in weeks. Like, they, they make a point to say that. 
um, kind of to set up uh, later on when Michael Caine is against the escape, escape plan. He's like, what do you mean we're going to try to escape? We've got a game to play. And then the officers are like, yeah, and if you win, think about the Eastern Europeans. They're going back to the uh, labor camp. And he's like, okay, I guess we'll escape. Which, Which means at the half, he's like, oh, yeah, we can win this game. Fuck the Eastern Europeans. We can win this soccer <laughs> right? game. There's like I a said, it's a sports movie first. <laughs> we haven't even gotten into Sylvester Stallone in the uh, it, with in the French um, in the French uh, rebellion and oh yeah the, and the near the 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 implied uh, romance the unearned <laughs> romance. Oh, but all yeah, well, the I, I think I think any romance with Sylvester Stallone is unearned, though. To me, <laughs> Ag- yeah. again, Death Race two thousand. Every romance in that? No, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, he's just like, oh, who said that? Oh, if you think we can win, then let's turn this <laughs> ship around and let's go play soccer, um, football. Sorry, football. Um, the, yeah, we're in America. It's soccer, nonsense. son. Also, the very, very end of of the movie. So they've got the hole into the uh, into the subway, or not subway, uh, sewers that they're going to escape through. But then, because they tie the game, the crowd overwhelms the Nazi soldiers and and rushes the field, and then toss jackets over them. So they're escaping that way instead, which, which makes me happy because that means none of the rest of the movie really mattered. Oh, yeah, like, they, they were able to escape completely independently of any escape plans. They, they, had, to, they also, had to get to the soccer stadium, though. Yeah. Those dudes were digging True. in the sewer. Nothing. Yeah. The French those dudes defense, are just – those dudes time. are still down in the sewer waiting. Whereas, um, oh, also, uh, Max von Sydow's, uh Nazi character is the annoying, like, as we saw in The Keep when we did that episode. <laughs> I knew you were going to up. Nice Nazi uh, fucking look, uh, look, trope. David, that, that... Max von Sydow is just a Nazi who loves his <laughs> soccer and is that so wrong? <laughs> he... Like he do, he cheers when the uh, when the allied uh, prisoners score, and I did like that because he loves soccer. And the other uh, officers give him this look of the fuck you cheering at, because yeah. But then because uh, that's how a soccer fan would be like if someone cheered for the opposite team. But but it was a bicycle at the kick end. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end, at the very end. He it shows him looking at the crowd. Someone tosses a jacket over uh, Michael Caine's character to uh, hide him in the crowd, and you see Sidal's character kind of give a small smirk. Oh yeah, like ah yes, my prisoner of war friend, uh, who I held prisoner and threatened to kill on a daily, is escaping. Good 
Just also, even if he wanted them to escape, that's pro- it's probably a death sentence for Max von Sydow's character that this went so sideways. <laughs> yeah, he like at this <laughs> point, not only did the German team fail to win, even with cheating, but <laughs> they lost eleven. Tw- well, no, no, it was over eleven people. Sorry, they, they lost they, like. They drew the game. They didn't lose it. I, I also again, found it a little hard to weird. believe that once the crowd started rushing the field that the Nazi guards didn't just immediately open fire on them. At least a few warning shots yeah. into the air. Nothing else. Um, but, but it's Nazi, so there's probably... But where else. I landed on the ending was uh, was in true soccer fashion, a movie that teaches us that a tie with the Nazis should be thoroughly celebrated. <laughs> Because the movie ends, they don't win. Our characters don't win. They tie. Now, there is a goal that they get cheated out of. So you can do the mental calculations of, oh, they really won. But it's a fucking soccer movie. So, of course, it ends with a tie. And, of course, it wants to present it like that's a victory. And me, as a person who doesn't care about soccer, I'm sitting there like, come the fuck on. A little part of me was just did did wonder when when that happened. I was like, wait, were they offsides? Like, because I know that happens. Like sometimes uh, goals get disallowed because you're offsides or some shit like that. And I was like, oh wait, no, no, it's it, it's it's the Nazis cheating again. Goddamn Nazis! You just you can't trust them. They had to end it on. Do you think they had to end with a draw because they had to end with a penalty kick? Yes. Well, I mean, if if the thing with Stallone wanting to get the final, like he wanted to get the final goal, and if he he was pushing it because he was the biggest star, Um, and so if they had to talk Mm -hmm. him down from that, and they landed on, oh well, we'll do it this way, or you save the, you know, we you you keep us out of out of you know snatch us from the jaws of defeat or whatever. Um, then yeah, I, I would guess that that's, it's probably John Houston being like, I don't give a fuck. Just end this, please. The, the bicycle kick should have been the final goal. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to look if, if penalty kicks existed in the game at that time, because like right now, if a game ends in a draw and it's a big game, they'll go to PKs and that would be a great place for Sylvester Stallone's character (laughs) to save a goal (laughs) that would win the game. Um, instead of like saving a goal that draws the game, but I'm looking and it looks like not until 1970 was the PK used the penalty kicks for I... determining a winner. And this movie is really? nothing else if not historically accurate. <laughs> no, it was in this case, uh, all right. I'm just fucking around. So far, I... we found out that they were right about the existence of bicycle kicks uh-huh. and the non existence of penalty shootouts. Gotcha, yeah. So it was just the one penalty kick. Uh, that makes sense then. Uh, yeah, that... sorry, I wasn't talking about penalty kicks. I was talking about yeah. penalty shootout. I did love... Um, I like the uh, comments from the announcer. Um, from the announcer talking about the game. Because uh, a couple of them like kind of slide under uh, just audio-wise. You don't hear them at, that much. But at one point... When the uh, when the Germans score and the crowd is silent, he turns up a um, an applause uh, 
recording yeah. and it's like the crowd is going wild but then later when the penalty when the foul that causes the penalty kick happens with like two minutes left on the clock and it quickly cuts to him you hear him say and the allied team has resorted to uh fouls at the end of the game so sad <laughs> and then cuts back in <laughs> to the game i i i i laughed at that i giggled also there was no stoppage time or as i call it secret time or did that not exist yet chris it looked like it was on the <laughs> clock because they had the red area on the clock yeah there's the red area on the clock, so there was that. And then, um, also, um, football games go on for four or five hours of, of bullshit. Same, same with baseball games. Soccer, you know, you've got 90 minutes of regular play, maybe 15 minutes of halftime, and then at most you're going to have 10 minutes total of stoppage time. So, yeah, you know exactly, it's... Yeah, from from kickoff to absolute end of the game, under two hours every time, like a real sport should be. Baseball's like none of this between one hour and ten hours. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if football there is such a thing as a one-hour baseball game, but okay. No, no, you could. I feel like if you just, I guess even a no-hitter goes longer than that. I Never mean, mind. if if nothing else, the the broadcast baseball, like, they would slow it down for that. There'd be a lot also, of, like, pitchers talking to catchers up there. I need to make my I'm argument convinced. to all the baseball fans who don't like soccer. In your sport, a perfect game is a game where nothing happens. So baseball fans can't <laughs> yeah. talk about a 0-0 zero, zero draw, right? At least soccer fans aren't rooting for a 0-0 zero, zero draw like y'all are. Wait, the, I'm confused. Well, I'm not really a sports fan at all, as you know. But what uh, what are you saying? What about baseball? Rooting for zero zero? Not not rooting for perfect zero zero, but a perfect game in baseball is a game where nobody does anything. That's a perfect game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what they call it. If I one mean, of the teams yes. function perfect. It, so in my opinion, a but perfect that's, game that's of specific. baseball is one that's in which specific. neither team shows up. Again, not a sports fan, but perfect game is referring to the pitcher having a perfect game. It's not referring to the game itself being perfect. Correct? I know. All right. Correct. It's a little bit of wordplay on my part, you see. All right. I, I didn't know you were <laughs> Gallaghering it, Chris. That's all. The, uh... Also, why are you coming in and defending baseball? It's like, oh, I'm not political, but... Uh, you you, you referred to me as a baseball something. fan a moment ago. Listen, all I'm saying is that soccer fans are leftists and uh, baseball fans may as well be uh, Republicans. I mean, that's probably pretty accurate, actually. And football fans are the (laughs) (laughs) alt-right. Hear this and other thoughts from David in his annual pamphlet. (laughs) Um... On Sylvester Stallone's journey before we end this. Yes. Oh, God. Sly. He starts his life as a prisoner in a camp, and he's got a plan to escape. He's timing the guards. He's he's talking to the old wives club about his escape, and they're approving it. 
Um, and then he wants to join a soccer team, maybe for some extra food. Who's to say? Um, after that, he gets approved to get out. But then his guards are taken away. But then he does it anyway. He makes a real big deal about like, oh, I can't do this anymore. That's why I have to join your soccer team. Because these guards are now guarding you instead of where they were supposed to be for my escape. But then he just goes ahead and escapes anyway. So I don't... That feels like it takes the wind out of the sails of why he joined their team in the first place. And then he leaves, but on the pre he has to go to the French Resistance. Well, yeah, on the on the escape, happened. the joining the team, though, you could argue... The movie doesn't make it too explicit, but you could argue... So the guards are supposed to be on one area. They move over to the team. And so he joins the oh. team. So he's there with the shitty guards that he okay. wanted. Okay. Then he gets out. Then he escapes. And he initially is just like, I'm out. I'm done. But he gets to the French people and they're like, you must go back and tell them all this stuff. And he's like, what? Like, yeah, how else will they know of our plan? He's like, I guess you're right. And, and then so he then says he... his catchphrase. This soccer game is ruining my life. Uh, I think it's important before he leaves, the French resistance leaves him alone with a lady, which seems like a bad move on their part. (laughs) Just, just like a guy who's been in a prisoner of war camp for a year. I don't know how long he's been there. And he's like, Oh, he can crash with you tonight and your child. and, And one who looks like Sylvester Stallone. So Sylvester Stallone is hitting on this woman. Not even just a real will they? Oh God, I hope not. Yeah, they. He he's very much so. Do you live alone? And she's like, I live with Francois or whatever her kid's name is. And he's like, Is he a boyfriend? And then she brings out her child who's sleep who's uh, sleeping, and then nothing happens between them as far as we know. But then she gives him looks during the uh, during the game, and afterwards runs up and like hugs him and kisses him on the cheek. And it's just again, it is this a thing? I thought she soundly rejected him. She was like, I don't want to know your name or anything about you. I just want you to escape. Like, I but then when she found out he was an orphan, all of a sudden, somehow oh, that did something for her. I don't think he's actually an orphan. Who amongst us couldn't uh, cave to uh, Sylvester Stallone pitching woo? True. No, he, when she asks, because uh, she, she sets up that she doesn't want to know. His family, his uh, family connections, his anything, because that makes him a like more of a person. And if he dies, then she feels that greater bit of loss for the loss that all of everyone else who knew him. And that's when he's like, "I'm an orphan. I've got no family." And um, he he makes a joke about how she can't verify that. Like, I took that as Sylvester Stallone being like. I am going to lie and say that everyone in my family is dead just so I can get some. Which, ugh. he also he also does use the line of, hey, I, I've been in a prison camp for a long time. I haven't seen a woman. Which, ugh, that's, 
Don't don't use that to try to. <laughs> That's one hell of a pickup line he's trying I've to. I've got do. a card <laughs> to play. It's a bit of a hail mary, but <laughs> this is a sports God. movie, so weird things work. I I also enjoy the the French uh, how the French uh, rebellion just obviously disliked this man. They practically scoffed at him at every turn, which I which was beautiful. Yeah, so he he does that, and then they're like, "You got to go back to camp," and he's like, mm, "Catchphrase." He goes this back, soccer game breaks someone's arm. He does that. Michael Caine breaks the arm and uh, goes and wins the soccer game. It's just a real wild journey. All right, so on that note, we will uh, wrap up here on Escape to Victory. Would you recommend Escape to Victory? World Cup starts on uh, the 20th here, 20th of November, and I think that uh, Escape to Victory is a good way to prime for it if uh, you're a movie nerd and perhaps not so much of a soccer nerd, and if you really, really, really like slide tackles. Or if maybe it's real, I would recommend it to some Brazilians who hate the German team due to some previous World Cups. And, Ooh, true. Uh, and love Pele. It's got Pele, and the Germans don't win by an obscene score in the final. <laughs> they do um, tie, though, because it's soccer. I feel like I can't really answer the question with a yes because I just don't know who I would recommend this film to. I guess, like, if you're saying what I recommend it to the listeners, which is the question you're obviously asking now that I've said it out loud. Um, <laughs> if you've got some time, it's not a bad movie. It's got some fun stuff in it. It's interesting. Um, but in my everyday life, I just don't know who I would be like. Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, Pele, you gotta see it. Escape from prison. <laughs> beat the Germans in a sport. Oh my gosh, you gotta. But they didn't beat them because it's soccer. Um, all right. Sure, so sure. for myself, yeah, this one's hard because usually uh, I, uh, I'm i able to say that I would, uh, whether it's a movie I really like or a movie that's like crazy bad or whatever. I don't think this one is outright bad. Um, you know, like, like there's a few times where I've not recommended something just because I think it's like boring or bad. I'd give this, this gets like a three out of five for me, which is like, basically like, that's like a movie that I think is like more or less doing its job, like succeeding at what it's attempting to do. And I like Michael Caine as an actor. So I like seeing him, you know, on screen and Max found Sydow as an actor. So that's just alone. I don't really care, at least in this movie. Uh, there's some good, like, you know, um, uh, men on a mission intrigue and that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, Pele's got a couple cool parts, even as a non-soccer fan. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But, yeah, it's like, this is a very Sunday afternoon movie. This is like a movie that's, like, on TV, and you're like, oh, what's this soccer game with Michael Caine? Oh, all right, I don't know, see what this is about. Like, I watched it, I think, because... Uh, because I knew it was Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone, which immediately... I watched it a few years ago. Uh, like Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone immediately felt like an odd pairing to me 
and then they're in a movie about soccer in World War II, which makes it extra odd, and that's directed by John Huston, who is a good director, and I like him. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like, they've all done better work, and so it's like kind of like an okay movie. Um, you know, it has all these kind of unusual elements that are kind of being shoved together, but ultimately it's just like sort of an okay movie. There's certainly better sports movies out there, and there's certainly better men on a mission and escape movies out there. So, if you like any of those things I've thrown out there, of like you know, those those peak your fancy, maybe it would be up your alley. Like I said, I watched it once before. I enjoyed it well enough. I'm doing it for the show, but having watched it a second time, I'm like, yeah, there's not a whole lot here that like that I was like, oh, I'm so glad I revisited this. Like, it's a movie that I could have just as well done with like only ever watching it once. So it's not bad, but I'm very tepid on any uh, recommendations for this one. I'm a competent I, film. Yes. I, I think to strike to the core of what you were saying, this is the best sports man on a mission escape movie mo- film there is. Sure. The best specifically all three together. Yes. You got it. David's already purchasing this on Blu-ray. Uh, it's Is it available on Blu-ray? And what about the Lady Killers? Let's talk about that. It's got sports. It's got a man on a mission. That's that's true. Uh, what did you say, David? Is it available on Blu-ray? It is. Uh, that leads us into Can I Find This? So, uh, this movie is on a lot of different streaming services. Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft, Redbox, and others. And you can get it on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, looked like there are some international versions of each, and uh, but it looked like the Blu-ray, like uh, Warner Archive, the great um, kind of Criterion-esque Warner Archive. I mean, they don't do the full thing that Criterion does, but what they do is, uh, I've mentioned on the show before, Warner Brothers um, takes some of their older films that wouldn't be like premium releases, you know, like big blockbuster stuff, Batman, that kind of stuff. They take smaller movies and they will periodically release them throughout the year so that those do get out there for collectors. Um, And I hope they continue that, even though Warner Brothers has been just decimating everything about their company these days. But so, yeah, I think like last year, I I think last year this was released uh, through the Warner Archive uh, for the first time. I was just going to say, it's known as the Criteria-ish Collection. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I think that wraps us up for Escape to Victory, also known as Victory. Uh, we are going to shift gears here. Uh, we are going to be going into December, and uh, as any regular listener knows, um, every December we always have like a like a bad kind of crazy movie um, for like a Christmas movie. So far, we've we've always stuck with a Christmas theme. I don't know if we'll always do that moving forward, but this year we will have one for that. And then we will also have one of our um, like special movies where it's like a, a famous film that we'll be watching. So we do that three times a year. Um, we do that at Christmas, uh, April Fool's Day, and in the summer. And so those two will be on the horizon. But before we get to those, we're going to do a kind of Christmas-adjacent movie that's uh, you know seasonal. Um, so as we go into the month of December, and so we're going to be looking at the 1990s movie Toys with Robin Williams. So nice. Toys will be coming up next, and uh, join us then. See you.